my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Nama here Tefano, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy with the sit down. I'm very grateful to be chopping it up with a Taranaki bull and member of the Chiefs Mana in Ruben O'Neill. First of all, cards before I crack into the questions, thank you very much for your time and how are you? Happy to be here, bro. Yeah, it's um, pretty good. Eh? Just obviously things are a bit different with no footy and getting, getting, getting used to the real world a bit, but. At the same time, it's been awesome and pretty rewarding too to get a few ticks in the off-field boxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why don't you give us a quick update with what's kept you off the field in 2022 and where it's at with the recovery? Yeah, so for a few years now, I've had I've got like a disc bulge in my neck and um, every game it just sort of got a little bit worse. And during the Naki season, after the Otago game, I woke up one morning and couldn't even bloody take a, like a lid off a bottle and I was freaking out. I was panic stations and so I went and seen the specialist and all that and the bulge had just fully just come out onto the, the main nerve down the arm. So I had to get that sorted out pretty pronto and booked all that in but couldn't get in until February so there's a bit of waiting around till then. Um, finally went under the knife and got it all sorted and yeah, I'm out for another whole year so not ideal. Holy hecka, bro. And not to bring up skeletons, so to speak, bro, but you haven't had the best luck with injuries over the course of your career, despite all the promise that's also come with it, bro. So um, for the listeners that may be interested in w- what I'm getting at, do you want to give us a quick rundown at some of the setbacks you've faced so far in your career, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, how long do we got again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so... I think every season I sort of had one. A couple of Achilles reconstructions, torn pick, a couple of big concussion, concussion jobbies. Uh, got type 1 diabetes somewhere along the way. <laughs> uh, throw that in the mixer. And then, yeah, another surgery on my heel bone, which played up a bit. So, yeah, not the greatest, the latest, but it's all, hey, it's all character building now. Eh? 100%, bro. And I do have to ask, because obviously there's – a lot of good things that come with football. I know that you mentioned off here, um, you know, the time you're afforded while you're rehabbing to pick up some qualifications and whatnot. But had you known, you know, at 18, when you were first embarking on your footy career, what your body would have to go through to get you to where you are now, do you think you still would have gone down that path? Um, yeah, for sure, bro. hundred percent. Just man, just the memories I've made and stuff. And, just the friendships you make and doing what you love for a living, man. You get, you, you're in the gym and you're standing there going, holy shit, I'll get paid for this. Not bad. And then, yeah, just running out there and the time off as well, like pretty surreal and stuff like that. So um, in hindsight, man, no regrets and I'll do it all again probably. Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, I, I do only ask because I think that's probably one of the common things that come up when I talk to players like yourself is, you know, while it looks pretty cool on tv and like you said you you um enjoy a bit of downtime the money and you make a lot of connections you know there is some troubles that come with the career um most prominently injuries uh but you mentioned the fact that 
you were diagnosed with diabetes along the way. And I'm not sure how common that is amongst rugby players, but given you are a professional athlete, has that thrown much of a spanner in the works with how you prepare, like whether it be like managing your carbs and stuff like that? And at what point in your life were you diagnosed? Was it quite early on or was it not till maybe later in high school? I think I was just before my 17th birthday I got it. Yeah, so that had to knock the cold Milo's on the head. The old more Milo than fucking milk trick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> another uh, one. But yeah, um, ever since then, yeah, it's been like it's definitely another spanner like you have to worry about with footy because man, especially when you're in preseason and that, it's just a roller coaster and trying to have this and then keep my diabetes um, all in check as well. So it has been tough, but you know, it just sort of all make, it does make it a lot more rewarding when I when I do get it right and it's it's pretty cool like helping others as well like because heaps of kids and stuff will come to me and ask for advice and stuff so it's cool helping them out too because like me when I first got it I thought it was all over so just charging on but it's taken me a few years to to finally figure out but I've got a pretty good handle on it now. No doubt a lot of trial and error but what led to you being diagnosed was it fluctuations with your health like up until you were 17 and then mum's just like okay we'll get you along to a doctor to try and sort it out because antibiotics or extra sleep or whatever else wasn't working there was nothing really um leading up to it it just sort of hit me out of nowhere i think i lost like like eight kgs in a week or something like ridiculous amounts of weight oh what the heck yeah it was just falling off and all the, I was doing surf club at the time and all the girls were going, you're looking all right, boy. And <laughs> I was like, shit, I must be doing something right. I haven't even given up the cold mileage. So, yeah, we knew something was wrong, man. And I just went straight into the GP and he was like, long story short, you got type 1 diabetes. So straight to the old hospital, straight on the drip. Yeah. True. <laughs> so, I mean, is diabetes hereditary? Like, did anybody else in your family have it that, that's maybe how it no it's just like one of those things it just does one just autoimmune just out of nowhere Mm. oh yeah okay so then yeah i guess you mentioned the fact that you thought it was all over so were you quite a prominent rugby player during your high school years and how did that sort of flip your life with having to get your nutrition sorted because i guess at that age or you know I'm, i'm talking for myself um i probably didn't watch what i ate when i was at high school so was it something that you had to cotton on to pretty quickly if you wanted to get that, I guess, that peak performance at your sport? Yeah, I mean, in some ways it was a bit of a wake-up call because like, I have, like, if you still want to be good with your rugby, you have to be disciplined with this. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have a choice. And in some aspects, that's sort of what got me into nutrition because, like, I started learning about all this, all this stuff and because I had to and I just, that's where I grew that deep passion for it. And beyond that, I sort of, like, decided, like, this has got to be 100% or, or, or you're out sort of mm-hmm. thing. So in some in some ways, it did sort of spark a fire. And I think the year after that, I, I made the New Zealand school. So that was, that was pretty cool. And Because I remember being um, with mum in the car when I got diagnosed and I was tear, we were both just tearing up. And I was just like, am I still going to be able to play rugby? And she was like, yeah, you can. And so that was, that was pretty cool um, to make that team a year after. And, have we cut it with mum? <laughs> what a change in, yeah, a yeah. matter of 12 months. So 
from the research that I have in front of me, my bro, you went to New Plymouth Boys High School. So was rugby always a big passion of yours? And yeah, can you talk about what led you to playing? I think it's two years of schools I have down here as well. Yeah, so basically me and my brother um, were a bit under it educationally. And um, mum thought it'd be a good idea to send us to boarding school. So we went into there year nine and just like, been in the environment the whole time, sort of just rugby's just sort of shoved down your throat. Like it's just everywhere. Yeah. That's that's what sort of um, got me into it probably. And we're just like always after school, just go hammer each other and go to the gym. So that was, that was awesome. Pretty grateful to be sent to boarding school actually. True. So you weren't big into rugby before you went to Newfoundland Boys? No, nah, not really. Not, not not overly, just <laughs> go down a bit of, bit of mud rugby and stuff, but nothing too hectic. I think I was always too fit. I never made the teams because I was too heavy. Interesting. Okay, so obviously whoever the ladies in the kitchen were at New Plymouth Boys sharpened you up, and then I guess once the diabetes rolled around, that was a, another kick in the right direction, bro. But yeah. you mentioned the fact that you played two years of schools, and with that sort of kudos, I'm guessing came a few offers for once you left school. So why is it that you ultimately chose to stick with Taranaki uh, your first year out? And how did things move on? So yeah, did you have any offers on the table besides your home province? Um, yeah, I um, I didn't play club for the first year out of school because I had a stress fracture in my, in my lower back because I was just, I was just of that mentality like, Stretchings, you know, for losers, um, go do squats and then go do some hill sprints. <laughs> and um, that was it. So I would just be like smashing my body all the time, me and Riccatelli. So I had a year off and then came back from that and straight the year after that, Nicky were like, oh yeah, we'll sign you. So I was straight in there. And then a couple of years at Tighthead, just paving the way behind old big Ang- Angus Tarbell there. And that was pretty cool learning from him. Not too much game time, but I think I was my first year. I was all amongst like James Broadhurst and Blay Thompson and all those big fellas. So that was pretty cool, and I just sort of listened and learned as much as I could. And then a couple of years at Tyhead, I moved over to Lucid and went alright, and that's when the the Chiefs called. So yeah, straight in there. So you mentioned the fact that when you left school, you had a serious injury. Well, it was serious enough to keep you out of rugby for the year. Uh, and then I also have, sorry to keep going back to these injuries, bro, but it has here, then that outside of when you spent some time with the Bulls, your second year out of school, you got thrown back in with the under-19s, and then that's when your Achilles went. Yeah, so I was just scrummaging. Oh, I stitch up those Tika Woody fields, eh? Like, <laughs> who's the groundskeepers there? They need to be a bit of accountability, I reckon, eh? So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it, was a bit, it was a bit tough, the old pitch, and... I was, I was scrumming down and then there was just a massive bang and I sort of got up and I was just started losing it, the lock behind me and I was like, stop kicking me in the leg, like just scrum because it felt like he just kicked me in the back of the leg. Yeah. Sort of got up and ran off and then I just fell over again. I was like, what? <laughs> the old Achilles has had a guts for. Holy hicker. So what I guess like where's the headspace at with that sort of injury because th- th- those are pretty long term right and the fact that you'd already spent a year off a year out of school 
I don't know, were you in a good place? Are you, are you good at managing those sorts of things post-injury, like going through that rehab process? Did, I mean, did you realise how big a deal it was at the time? Nah, see, it, was, it, it rattled me quite a bit. But any time I just got an injury like that, I'll just dedicate that time, just use the opportunity to study as much as I could. I'll just make sure I put my mindset in a completely different place just so they wouldn't keep bugging me. So I'd do my rehab and then I'll just go study or go get a truck licence or something. Right, so you are you are making proper use of that time, unlike some of the boys that I'm not here to judge, but it sounds like you did it the right way, my bro. But you mentioned the fact that you did a couple of years at Tighthead and then moved over to Loosehead, and I guess you were just trucking away playing provincial rugby before your big break came by way of getting called in for the Crusaders um, as part of their preseason in 2018. And I see that in a number of the reports um, in the lead up to your All Blacks. A selection later that year that you credit your time down in the Crusaders, you know, rubbing shoulders with the likes of Owen Franks, Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, all those other front rowers has really been almost a turning point for you in your career. So I'd like to know what exactly did you learn off those guys down there? Uh, it was just like so professional, man. Like just the environment they sort of created was just second to none. And like just having, because I've just like um, idolized Owen my whole life like pictures of him on my wall and stuff and um just seeing him and just learning from him and getting a score rack with him it was just pretty unreal bro and it sort of sparked um sparked me up a little bit and learned heaps as well like i'll get dusted up at some scrum sessions man like absolute pilot's license (laughs) (laughs) but it all served you well in the long run i guess yeah and then a pretty good like in drawing board just like pretty open and honest with how I need to get better. So, yeah, and then tore my pick and then had three months off, which was good because I could just run heaps. And then that's the following Nicky season, I was into it. I see. I mean, yeah, the fact that you, I know that you mentioned earlier in the pod, bro, that you've almost had a major injury every season that you've played. I mean, like the, even like knowing that when, when you're going through, I guess, the battle of having to go through rehab and then getting yourself back to playing and then finding a groove and then being hit with another injury. Was it frustrating? Yeah, it is, man. But honestly, I'm just used to it. So don't really know what it's like to <laughs> have a case. I mean, you must have been the doctors and the physio's favorite player. Yeah, we had a, we were pretty tight, man. Had some good check going. <laughs> I was in there way too much. But you did find, um, or you did manage to work your way back to full health like you said after doing a lot of running um off the back of tearing that pick in 2018 or the super season that is to then get back into it with the bulls and you play well enough over the course of that mighty 10 cup season that you ended up getting picked in the all blacks for the first leg of their northern tour in japan now given the fact that you hadn't even played super rugby up until that point and like you said you'd had you know, these lingering issues that had kept you out of putting together a decent stint um, on the field, were you sort of like, how the heck did I find myself being down in the All Blacks, like, at that point in time? Yeah, it was um, a bit rattling, <laughs> to be fair. Um, oh, I sort of knew I was going all right, and, um, like, a couple of phone calls from some important people just, like, keep going, like, stay injury-free, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, easier said than done, but duly noted. 
so I'll just keep keep chipping away. I was just doing Pilates and Pilates and all sorts of stuff to keep me going and manage to make it to the end of the season. And yeah, hearing that news was unbelievable, especially after just um, going through so much. So that was that was pretty cool going over to Japan and stuff and getting a taste of that culture. I mean, was it weird at the time to think that, I guess I sort of mentioned it, bro, that at the start of that year, you hadn't really been involved with a Super Rugby team. And then by the end of it, you're running around an All Blacks kit. I mean, I know that you didn't end up cracking the 23 that played Japan, but just to be in that environment, I mean, was it quite a surreal, I guess, feeling for you? I know you you mentioned the fact that like hearing that news was pretty gobsmacking, but again, like, the fact that you'd gone through what you'd gone through, even at that point in time, to then be rubbing it, you know, with the big boys at that level, must have been pretty rewarding. Yeah, I was just Taranaki Battler, and I was straight in the deep end, like I hadn't even experienced super at all. So from go to going from wide ten to that, pretty massive jump, man. Like you say, and it was yeah, it was all kinds of twisted. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question for that was, bro, like. I mean, you seem like a pretty laid-back guy, but as someone like yourself who gets thrown into that environment without really having that that stepping stone that is super rugby, I mean, was it more like you just kept your head down and did whatever the coaches did and just went balls to the wall in the gym and on the training paddock? And I guess even post that, when you come back to New Zealand, having been in that environment, did you have much of, I guess, a connection with the All Blacks coaches moving forward over the course of that summer to be like, okay, this is what we what we want you to work on and this is what will get you back into that environment the following year? Yeah, so I knew that I wasn't, I was sort of got told early in the week I wasn't um, in the 23. So I tried to take out Tyrell Omax a couple of times just to <laughs> sneak in there. But didn't, we didn't do enough contact. So it was, it was hard to get that in during a clarity session. <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, because I, Got to the end of it and I knew my Achilles was buggered. I had like a, a big lump on there. It, heaps of bone spurs had, and stuff had, and, and a bursa had formed from my last Achilles surgery. And I was operating on about two pink triangles a day, the diclofenax, just to sort of get through training. And we're doing all these fitness drills and I was just like in all sorts <laughs> trying mm. to get through it. But as soon as we got back, um, they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in contact and that. But I sort of knew I was have to go un- under the knife again. So I went straight under the knife and got a full reconstruction on the same Achilles. And I was out for that whole year following. So nothing really came of it. Right. And that was the, that was the year that you signed your first deal with the Chiefs, right? For 2019, off the back yep. of uh, the 2018 season with the Bulls. And I mean, <laughs> again, bro, like the, the fact that you had I guess, quite a bit of experience having to go through rehab and I guess having longer holidays than some of your teammates, bro. Was it at that point that you'd really gotten used to recovering from an injury? Or, I mean, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but given what you had gone through, was it almost an expectation that at some point you felt like you were going to have to spend a good month on the sideline to get something sorted? Yeah, like, that one hurt the most because... I knew, you know, I was a, a bee's dick away from staying at that top level and having a real good crack. So that one, that one hurt the most, most definitely. And then it's sort of like that feeling 
you're back to you're back to square one again. You got to climb the ladder again. But to know if I just look after my body as best I can, that I can I can get there again. Um, finding that perfect formula that's still in the making. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I can get there after this neck, but we'll soon see. Fingers crossed, my bro. And I guess at that time, after spending that year off to let the Achilles chill for a bit you did end up making your debut for the Chiefs uh coincidentally in Japan um against the Sun Wolves in 2020 and again like achieving a milestone like that to you know be as you put it a Taranaki battler mix it with the All Blacks be a bee stick away from getting a black jersey and then to finally get an opportunity to play super rugby uh emotions anything like that yeah it was um a long time coming since I got back out there. The left calf was not really up to scratch yet, but I managed to limp around. But no, nah, it was awesome to get back out there, especially in um, Japan again. So I think I had a pretty good good slate after that, um, getting a few caps. Yeah, so it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so being able to guess, string some consistent football together, I mean... How, like I mean, what I mean, what was it for you though as well in terms of like how did how did your recovery process, or uh, your diet, or I guess everything that goes into being a professional athlete, you know, everything that goes into making sure that you can perform on on Saturdays over the course of your career. So obviously, when you left school, when you had your back injury, and then going through all the ups and downs with your lower body, and then then I guess even now your neck, bro. Like, were you constantly just trying different things to see whether or not that got the best out of you and was it during that period, I guess, post-2020 that you found as close to a perfect formula to date as you possibly could? Yeah, I did try a lot of things, man, like um, different devices and I was just like sitting every night stretching and like, yeah, some of my flatmates are just like, this, this, he's lost it. <laughs> he's clean off. <laughs> uh, but like doing that stuff definitely helps. I just think there's, there must be a, the element of the top one. Just it puts my body a bit more under it than others. Mm-hmm. Sort of what I put it down to. But yeah, just just trying my best to minimise those things. And I guess at the end of the day, if if I know that I've done everything in my power, um, then I don't get too gutted, man. It just is what it is. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. I mean, I, I, I only ask, I guess, repeatedly about that stuff because I just know that you know, I know us footy boys, we love our beers and um, there's nothing that tastes better than maybe a post-Macca's run after a barnstorming 80 minutes. But I guess for someone like yourself, you probably have to be a bit more careful than a lot of your teammates. And so, yeah, I guess I was just curious as to whether or not you found any little tricks of the trade that put you in, in better stead or like got the best out of your body. Yeah, the best, the best one for me was like, uh, like deep into the week or competition was just tapering back because man I just love smashing tin um, so just tapering that back and substituting it for a yoga session or a pilates session or stretching session <laughs> was sort of the best way to go mm-hmm. if you don't mind me asking bro I guess like what sort of the I guess the the stigma or the attitude towards yoga and Pilates has probably changed a lot over the course of your career. And I guess 
I could even ask you personally, bro, like how did you look at that sort of stuff? I know that you mentioned the fact that you thought that stretching didn't do anything when you left school. So I guess through a bit of your own research, you, you, you found that they are beneficials, um, maybe more ways than, than what tin is um, at, at certain parts of the week or at certain parts of the season. So yeah, is it something that you've looked to incorporate into, I guess, just your everyday life from now on? Yeah, for sure. Like as you get older, you sort of realise you've got to flip it on its head, and like all that, all those little one percenters have got to come before smashing yourself in the gym and stuff. Like it's still so such an important tool, the weights for injury prevention and getting stronger and stuff. But man, the other stuff is almost every year you get older in your career, it's just got to take more of a front seat for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know that you mentioned the fact that you've done a bit of coaching with kids who had type 1 diabetes and uh, you also mentioned the fact that you picked up some qualifications along the way with having spent um, maybe more time on the sidelines than you would have liked and this year I see that you've even opened up your own business so I mean do you want to touch on that bro and yeah I guess maybe the the enjoyment you get out of the coaching side of things and how it's I guess maybe helping you sit, sit yourself up for when you fully have to hang up the boots. Yeah, so Optimal Human sort of this business I've created. I know I'm not, I'm far from what the Optimal Human looks like, but <laughs> yeah, obviously I've got to be a bit more, a bit more heavy for my job and stuff. <laughs> so people sort of like, they give me a funny look. <laughs> but um, no, nah, it's all upstairs. Like when I've been injured, I've, I've got my strength and conditioning coach. Um, I did personal training as well. So I've got that as well. And then the last two years, I've just been hammering out nutrition studies and just finished that. So studying business at the moment, just because to get a grips on it, because like, especially in the first sort of few weeks when I was first boosted it and I was getting clients, they sort of come on a bit faster than I like. And I was panic stations because I was still trying to work, didn't really know much about business. So I was like straight to the accounting firm. I was just like, mate, this is happening can you do this and they were unreal so and then working out all the software stuff like so the first month or so was pretty stressful but got a good pretty good grips on it now all right do you take us through i guess nine to five or i guess for most pts or coaches um their mornings can tend to start a bit earlier how is life as a coach in comparison to a rugby player yeah so yeah the hardest thing is just like putting the right hat on at the right time like because when you're footy player you just sort of a goof all the time and just putting that aside and actually being acting a professional is, has been the, the the weirdest transition so I wake up I'll go do all my my rehab and gym stuff I'll nut out all my clients in the morning so like programs for people who have messaged me um, I'll have my clients who have signed up for my long-term eight weeks so mostly like the diabetic area, like kids and families who are wanting to work with me and to sort their kid out on the diabetic side of things. So I'll get all that smashed out. And then if I have time, I'll do like some social media stuff for my page. I'll have like some topics and stuff that I've been wanting to do. And I'll just do a little spiel on that, on Optimal Human. And I'll do something on my type one page on Facebook as well and Instagram. So I'll do that. And then... Late afternoon, my mind is just gone. 
knocked off for the day. So I'll go to the beach with my dog or go see some family or do some jobs around the house. So I'm on the good books when the old girl gets home. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. like me, I, I prefer to front load my days as well, bro. So it sounds like you're, you're, you're doing the bulk of it the same. But having transitioned or having, I guess, gotten used to being a coach, at least for this year, I mean, like what, what are the plans sort of for you moving forward? Is rugby still front of mind or is it something that you're looking to maybe pedal back with the success you're having with your business? Yeah, for sure. Rugby's still like definitely the forefront of my mind. Like, man, I just want to have a good crack at here, at here without an injury. And if that doesn't happen, then I'll go overseas. Um, and I just want to travel with it. Like traveling is one of my biggest passions as well. So traveling and playing rugby overseas in the next few years is definitely my main goal. Um, this is sort of just like to lay down the foundations, um, see what it's like, see if I enjoy it. So far I am. And then if rugby has to stop, then I can carry on with this. Mm -hmm. Or when it does stop one day, man, I've just got everything here and I know what to do and I can, I've got my whole plan of attack sus and I can just go straight into it. So there's not too many nerves around that department. Right. And I guess just off the top of mind, bro, like it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on your coaching and stuff um, with the current situation. But do you think it's something you'll be able to balance once you get back into, I guess, maybe playing with the Chiefs next year or the Bulls maybe later this year? I mean, have you paid that any mind? Yeah, so I was originally going to be back for like halfway through the Nicky season. And I was just going to – I wasn't going to go too hard out with it, just have my clients – that I have now and slowly started trying to drip feed them out by the time Nicky come around. But I got a scan the other day and he's just like, nah, you're going to have to rest up for the whole year. It's healing a bit slower than what first thought. So it's sort of, you take the good with the bad. Like now I can sort of just go all in and have a good, real good crack at it for the whole year as well. And I've got a couple other um, other things outside of this as well on the go. So it's a bit exciting to, have a crack on the business world. <laughs> Daunting, but exciting nonetheless. Absolutely, bro. Because I know that's probably one of the biggest difficulties for players when their career comes to an end, whether it be through injury or missed contracts, is that they maybe don't have that foundation, like you said, that they've laid while they've been a player to quickly jump into. It's almost like they're in, what is it, like the, the twilight zone, so to speak. They're sort of stuck between where they were at and where they need to get to. So I guess that must be quite cool for you to know that, you know, it's not the be or end all. Yeah. And I think it's going to take a lot more stress off me when I am playing again, if the things don't work out with my neck as well. So, yeah, that side of it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, like I said, fingers crossed we see you back to full health sometime soon. and. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the future holds with whatever team you're going to be lining up for, whether that be the Bulls, Chiefs, or whoever, my man. Um, but before I let you go, uh, what I like to do with all of my guests that I get on is that I like to end it with two segments. The first being, can you take us through what your game day routine would be, please? Uh, shivers. So smash out a feed. Um, I always do a primer. Love primers, just loosen up. 
then I'll always just go to the beach with my dog and just headphones, chilled beats, not thinking too much about it, really just connecting with nature and stuff like that. And then come home, bit of PlayStation probably, have a hissing feed, and then just headphones on, drum and bass. That's Russ's history. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll from then on. I like it. Any superstitions? Nah. It's cold Milo's. <laughs> <laughs> One teaspoon, not two, though, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. That rolls me into my last section, brother. Uh, I call it 10 in the bin. It's just 10 quick fire questions, and you just answer with whatever comes to mind first. Yeah. Number one, who was your childhood idol? Owen Franks. Champion lightweight? Who's the worst on the piss? Uh, Daniel Waite. Uh, must do on a day off? Must do. Nature. I like it. Worst coach's pet? So who was the biggest brown nose? Hey, Harangi Walden. <laughs> Favourite cheat meal? Favourite cheat meal, like a bucket of chicken skin or something? <laughs> nah, I wish. Yeah, probably... Probably KFC, like a double down or something, man. Ooh, yeah, I can meet you there. Uh, cheapest teammate? Ben May, when he was in the team, even though he's like the richest, <laughs> easily riding off into the sunset. It's true. Uh, second dream. So if you weren't afforded the opportunity to become a rugby player and live out your dream that way, what else would you rather be doing? Like paid or non-paid? Anything, bro. <laughs> shit I don't know travel just like travel non-stop maybe start up like a little travel page I might have to get shredded or something for that eh? to get make money from it hey mate that way you can become the optimal human traveling yeah, the world you know I'm the actual optimal human alright <laughs> 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 question number eight biggest grub you've played with or against let's say like Tim Bond or something like that from the Bay of Plenty. Okay. Can't say I know him, but I'll take your word for it. Question number nine, best piece of advice you've received? Push harder. Like squatting heavy or something. <laughs> Not too heavy though, eh? Nah. Oh, there's a fine, yeah, there's a fine line. <laughs> All right, my man. Question number 10, and you just got to finish off the sentence for me. Saturdays are for the boys. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone failed that question? Oh, absolutely. But you know, like the the answers are, are theirs to deliver. Um, you know, I've had some interesting ones. Some guys have said Saturdays are for rugby, some guys <laughs> have said Saturdays are for family. So I mean, who am I to judge? But as I was just about to mention before, my man, um, this brings this podcast to a, or that brings this podcast to a close. I just want to reiterate how grateful I am to have spent a bit of time with you on a Tuesday night, picking your brain about what goes into being a rugby player and the adversity that comes with it. And I guess what's ultimately set you up for a long life of being an optimal human, my bro. So appreciate your time and all the best with all the recovery moving forward. Thanks very much, my bro. It's been an absolute pleasure. Legend. See you